Thank you so much for visiting us online today. We believe God wants to speak to you through the following message. If you would like to connect with us or send us your prayer request, visit us at kingsgatehobs.com. Say what? The power of the words you speak. Somebody say, the words I speak have power. Now, let's go to Proverbs 18.21. This is in the New King James Version. Look at this. I want you to take this real seriously seriously this morning. We're going to have fun. We're going to laugh. We're going to enjoy each other's presence. We're going to enjoy God's presence. We're going to hear from God. But I want you to really take note of this. Take notes and make mental notes on the fact that your words have power. Somebody say, my words have power. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. You love speaking death? Well, you're going you're to have a result of death or negativity in your life. You love speaking life? You're going to have positivity and life in your life. All right? Let's go to Proverbs 15.4 now. Proverbs 15.4. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. Isn't that interesting? You're having a, an antithesis here. you got... Wholesome, which is pure, and then a perverse tongue. That's interesting. A perverse tongue actually breaks the spirit. Hmm. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. All right. So here's what I want to remind you of today. Words are everywhere, and they're just about everything. How many, let's, let's be honest, you're not going to be in trouble today, okay? How many of you looked at Facebook this morning? Raise your hand. Go ahead, it's okay. You saw more than videos. Chances are, if you looked at Facebook, you read something, didn't you? How many of you read a text message this morning? Uh-huh. How many of you read something today, this morning? You saw words. You say, man, I didn't read anything. Well, look over there, there's words. Ask of me, Psalms 2.8. Look right here, a wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. We are surrounded by words, so we need to take care, take special care and caution in what we say and how we say it, because your words have power. They are everything. Magazines, you guys are in line at the grocery store, you look at a magazine, you may look at the picture, but you're real quick, what are they saying about them? You look down real quick, what are they saying? What is it, what is, what is, I mean, why is Brad Pitt there? I don't know, I don't know why I thought of Brad Pitt. Why, why, what are they saying about him? What's going on? What, what are they saying about her? TV, words all the time. They're speaking words, <clears throat> and you're listening to them. Books, the Bible, music, music's full of words. Years ago, they had to start putting little tags on, I, I remember when they were doing this on cassettes, warning, explicit lyrics, because words matter. Words matter. It's crazy. People were like, man, I don't listen to the lyrics. I just listen to the beat. A guy did a test years ago. He was all into music. He was showing how it affected Christians and, and non-believers alike. And he said, no, I can prove to you you're listening to the lyrics. And he would talk to kids in malls and stuff and record them. And he'd say, hey, man, do you know, did you know that words affect you and songs affect you? And they'd say, no, no, they don't. And no, I don't. I don't even know the lyrics of the song. And he'd go, how about this? And he'd start saying a popular song, and they'd quote it. They'd know the lyrics without even thinking about it. And some people are better with lyrics than others. But words are important and they're powerful. You say, I don't even believe what I'm saying. Then you're causing a problem in your mind. You better line your mind and your words up with God's word because you can have a real problem. So this morning, be careful what you say. And I want you to pay close attention. Um, we were talking about awakening your gift recently. And we're going to be awakening the gift in Pastor Jen. She's going to help me minister the word this morning. So I call up right now my lovely, my, my sweetheart, my favorite person in the world, Pastor Jen, come on up, baby, and go on with it. Take it away. So Memorial Day, the day after last Sunday's message when he taught about 
awakening your gift. Memorial Day comes, it's our day off, we're relaxing by the pool, just having a wonderful relaxing day, and I'm like, baby, that was such a powerful message you preached yesterday, that just convicted me and spoke to my heart, and it was amazing, I'm so proud of you, that was incredible, and he's all, funny that you'd say that, because there's a gift in you that I want to push you to develop, and so next week, seven days from today, I want you to do one of my points on Sunday morning, and I was all, that's not what I meant, I did not mean it was that good. <laughs> But I just want to encourage you that if last week Pastor Matt's message encouraged you or convicted you or you felt something inside of you stirring about a gift that you're not developing or using, listen, it's not just comfortable for me to speak in public, but I know that God's given me a gift to do it. And I know that there's a calling to do it as well. And so sometimes you have to just step out and just trust God and just do it and be yourself. And so I feel like this morning, if I can do it, then you can do it. So whatever it is, in the next seven days, somebody... Somebody step out and do it, okay? Okay, so number one this morning on talking about say what is we're going to talk about three different points. We're going to talk about words of death, words of life, and no neutral ground. And I get to talk about words of death. Lovely, right? I want you to look with me to James chapter 3, verse 2. And we're going to read through verse 12. So it's 10 verses. So let's just take our time and read this this morning. Indeed, we all make many mistakes. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is as a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness, corrupting the entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. Yikes. People, are people can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Father, our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. Verse 10. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No, and you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. So this morning, I just want to drive home the fact, based on this scripture, that words matter. And some of you are like, no, that's just not the way that I was raised. That's just not how we grew up. It's not our culture. We say things, but we don't really mean them. No, that doesn't make it right. Your words matter. And your words are either carrying life or they're carrying death. And when you say something to someone, it sticks with them. It matters. In fact, a lot of times, Words are like daggers, they're arrows, and they go directly to the soul. It can be a good thing or it can be a bad thing, but words do matter. And so as Pastor Matt continues this message this morning, I want you to know the importance of our words. If we believe what that verse just said, if we believe that the power of life and death is in the tongue, then we're going to use caution when we use our words of death, and we're going to use words of life abundantly and generously. Why is it that we're so generous with words of death, but we hold back words of life? 
Why is it that it's so hard for you to speak words of compliments and love and kindness and generosity and grace and mercy over people, but it's easy to be a smart aleck and just say something mean? Because a lot of times it comes natural to us to be negative, right? We're insanely negative, we really are, naturally. One of my gifts is that I'm an editor. And that can be a good thing, but it can also be a bad thing. I, if you hand me a newspaper or a magazine in the first 30 seconds, I can tell you five things wrong with it. They misspelled that word. They forgot a comma. They forgot to capitalize that word. That's a gift, and that can be used for good, but it can also spill over into life and being negative and finding fault. And I don't want to be that way. And being positive requires practice. You have to practice it. You have to make a choice and decide. I'm not going to be negative. I'm not going to speak negative words. I'm going to speak life over my husband or my wife today. I'm going to speak life over my children today. I'm going to speak life over my coworkers, my boss today. I'm going to tell my boss, you're doing a great job. I'm proud of you. You're a great leader. Is there anything I can do to help you? I'm going to use my tongue to speak life. Look with me to Matthew chapter 15, verse 11. Matthew 15, 11. So the disciples and the Pharisees and different people were arguing about what to eat and what not to eat. What's holy and what's not holy. I love what Jesus said. It's not what goes into your mouth that defiles you. You are defiled by the words that come out of your mouth. So I have a question. Have you struggled with feeling dry have you struggled with feeling dreadful or dreary or heavy or dark? Well, let's check your words. If there's an area in your life that's dry and dead, if there's a relationship that's dry and dead, if there's finances that are dry and dead, if your job and your career is dry and dead, check your words. Take inventory. I remember three years ago when I first started a fitness program with a new trainer, she told me our first step, here's what we're going to do, first week, you're not going to do anything. You're not going to work out. You're not going to diet. You're not going to meal prep. You're not going to do anything. The first week, all I want you to do is take inventory of what you're eating for one solid week. Write down every breakfast, every snack, every, everything. And I was like, can't we just start running today on the treadmill? Like, that's not going to do anything. What is that going to do? At the end of the week, it was like I was staring into a mirror going, oh, my word. That's what I'm eating. That's what I'm putting into my body. And it's the same thing with our words. We have to take inventory of what we're saying. And if somebody says, that was rude or that was mean, and we respond with defense and no, it wasn't, and you're just sensitive and you're just jealous and you're just insecure, no, your words matter to people, especially to the people that you love the most. And as I was praying and preparing for this one little point that I'm going to share this morning, it was the Holy Spirit just kept showing me over and over and over again, and I couldn't get away from it, was the importance of our words in the home. Our words create an atmosphere in the home. Not just the mom, not just the dad. Every member of your household is creating an atmosphere with their words. And so I want you to imagine your house right now. Imagine the living room, the bedrooms, the kitchen. Just imagine the walls. Just get a picture of your house in your mind right now, your home. And I want you to imagine it dry and cracked and gray and, and dark and dreadful and nobody wants to be there. And it's just kind of a place that people are like, I don't want to go in there. Okay, now forget that image. And now imagine your home with flowers, thriving, a place of joy, a place of laughter, a place of comfort, a place that the family can't wait to be. 
guess what's going to determine one or the other? Our words. The power of life and death is in the tongue. So what are specifically words of death? Complaining, murmuring, negative confessions, negative um, projections of, well, what if this happens? I'm bad about that, I'll be honest. I'm a natural planner. Like, I want to plan out the next 10 years of my life and break it down into weeks and months and minutes. I want to plan it all out. <laughs> but that, it just doesn't work that way all the time. So negative projections of, well, what if this happens and what if that happens? Those are negative projections into your future. You know, what about lying? Lying in the home, and let's just be specific about the home. Lying in the home, lying to your spouse, lying to your kids, kids lying to each other, your siblings, is not going to bring life to any relationship. Relationships thrive or die based on your words. And you can speak the truth and love to one another. You can. Matt and I work on this. Listen, when we argue, which is not very often, but when we disagree, we are careful and cautious about what words we use in those moments. We don't just say, okay, here, I'm going to use an example. How does this make you feel? I hate you. You're stupid. You always do it wrong. What's wrong with you? Why were you even born? I wish I had never met you. I wish you had never come into my life. Did that create any type of emotional response just now? Yeah? You felt it. Okay, now let's try this. You are incredible. You're special. You're beautiful. You're handsome. You're called. You're strong. You're a leader. God is with you. God is faithful. He's not going to let you down. You can do this. How about I can do this? I am capable. I am called. I am strong. Now, when you heard those words, did that create an emotional response? Yeah. Your words can bring life and healing to people. I'm not supposed to talk about words of life, but your words can bring life and healing to people, but your words can also bring death. If there's somebody in your home right now that's going through a dry, dead, struggling season, maybe they're, they're grieving, maybe they're mourning, maybe they're going through a hurt or a trial, whatever it is, you have the power to speak life into their situation. You have the power to see this dry little, I, I have some plants that I'm working on and they've struggled to live. Some of them look like little twigs, like, like little dead dried twigs. But I'm working on them and I'm watering them and I even talk to them and I even clean them up and I put, put them out in the sun and then bring them back in and then I just take care of them. And there's this one little green sprout underneath this dry little twig that's trying to come up and come out. That's what you can do to that person in your life that's the dry twig. Maybe you're the dry twig. <laughs> and maybe you need to go to that mirror and you need to say, look, woman of God, look, man of God, you're called and you have a purpose and you have a plan. God is for you and he's with you. Use your words to speak life and not death. But also, you can use your words and you can call this something that's flourishing and growing and thriving. Maybe, maybe motivated from jealousy or insecurity or your, or your own struggles your own hurt, your own rejection, you see something that's thriving and flourishing, and you're like, you're not that great. Who do you think you are? Those are words of death that can cause something that's flourishing and thriving to begin to wilt, especially with your children. And I just want to say, if God's presence is our goal, if God's presence is really our goal, raise your hand if God's presence is your goal. 
in your life, in your job, in your family, in your home, if God's presence is really our goal, guess what? Our words either invite the presence of God or quench the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says that he inhabits, inhabits means to live in, to dwell in, to be in, to be present in. He inhabits the praises of his people. Those are words. And so if God's presence is really our goal in our homes and our families, we have, to begin, we have to check our words of death, take inventory of them, work on it, practice. You know what? I even imagine some of you leaving today and in your, in your cars, you've got your whole family together. You pick up your kids from King's Kids. You're headed to lunch, and you just begin to practice. And it's silly, and you're laughing, and your kids think it's dumb, but you do it anyway. And you're just like, let's all talk about how great each other is. Let's all talk about how, how amazing we are, how amazing church was, how amazing dad is. Isn't mom amazing? Isn't, isn't Zeke incredible? Isn't Sophie amazing? Isn't Jessica and Matthew and Sammy, aren't they amazing people? Aren't they created in the image of God? Aren't they beautiful and smart? If you begin to do that today, it might be silly at first. You might feel stupid at first. But it will feel so good and it will produce so much fruit, you'll get addicted. And the words of death will start to feel weird instead of the words of life feeling weird. Next, next time we disagree, baby, just remember, you are incredible. You are incredible. You know, there's so much I just want to add to Pastor Jen's point. Well spoken, well delivered, well said. Folks say this a lot. Man, I, I don't tell people this, but maybe you have, and you need to not do this anymore. Don't tell people I hate you. Even kidding. Please don't. There's so much death and hurt in our words, even when we're kidding. If we respect and fear God, we're going to watch our words. Because, man, you don't have to look hard to find strange words, negative words, evil words. You don't. Name calling, negative things. The movie Despicable Me, you guys remember that? What's well, a terrible, can you imagine Despicable Me, awful me, evil me? I, which, funny, those are funny, man. Gru, that, that, those are funny and clean and great, and he adopts some little girls. Well, he has a little girl at the fair one day, and she's so cute. She's a little one. But you know what she says? And it, we laugh, and we quote it. We, she said, it's so fluffy, I'm going to die. What? People say stuff like this, it's killing me. Hey, get her out of here. She's killing me. Remember the movie, was it The Sandlot? The guy would say something stupid and he'd go, what? You don't know? Who? Smalls, you're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me. It sounds funny. But it's death. Take inventory. That's crazy. She used, Pastor Jen used the same phrase that I was thinking of. Take inventory. What negative things are we saying? What negative things are we saying? Now let's swing it to the positive side. Let's go to Deuteronomy 30.19. Deuteronomy 3019. Today I've given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. This is powerful. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. Go home and speak life today. This is what the world is waiting for. Good things. Life. Scripture says, speak things that are not, call things that are not as though they were. 
Begin to call things that are good. Uh, even call things that are negative. Call it, man, say, no, this is going to be good. This is going to get better. Speak about the good that you see. Speak life, hope, health, blessing. Point out the good. Positive things. Is praising God positive? Yeah, Pastor Jen just talked about praising, praising God is positive. You know what I like to do? And this, this stirs up conversation, but I love to do this. I love to see, I, I love, man, I've seen dudes that were tough looking and big and mean looking. And they have tattoos on their bald head. And I'll see them and I'll look at them and I'll go, man, nice haircut. I've seen some mean dudes and they're like, thanks, bro, you too. Almost like, and don't tell anybody I was nice to you. You know what I'm saying? Teardrops coming down their eyes. I mean, I don't know. Been through some stuff. I want to see more bald men in here too, by the way. We got a few in here, and y'all are very handsome. God bless y'all. We had the drummer stepped out. He's going to be back. There's not enough bald. Uncle Richard's back there laughing because when I, <laughs> I remember when I had, he, he would make comments when I was losing my hair, and that wasn't fun. I, I was always like, Oh, man, and I knew, and I knew, I knew. One guy told me one time, he said, do you realize you're losing your hair? It's like, no, I did not know. I dry it off with a towel, and there's hair going like this. But Uncle Richard made it fun and positive for me because I would, I started shaving my head, and he'd go, Matt, have you ever thought of this? And I'd go, what? And he'd have one for me per visit because we're buddies. We're, we've been close for years, and we'd mow lawns together and work together, and Uncle Richard would have one one-liner for me per visit. And he, one time he went, you've got really good eyebrows. He said, why don't you grow your eyebrows out and comb, it, comb them over? I said, that's ridiculous. So I left that alone. And then another time he said, he said, look, it was another visit. I'm kidding. It was a subsequent visit. It's like he'd think about them between visits. I don't know. He's always pretty witty and quick. But, and then another time Uncle Richard said, look, you've got plenty of hair here, right? I knew he was going somewhere. I said, yes. He said, grow that out and comb it over. And I said, oh, man, I ignored that. Another time he said, you got a lot of hair back here, comb it over. Finally, several visits, maybe a couple of years, I was already bald. The whole world knew it. There was no denying it. I was razoring my head, keeping it real short, the hair, whatever. He goes, what? He said something one day. And I said, Uncle Richard, I have male pattern baldness. It's bald like this, all the way in. There's a cul-de-sac. You can park a car in there. <laughs> one guy told Mr. Pierce one time, he, said, he was a bald man, an older bald man. He told him, man, you've got room for another face up there. <laughs> Golly, is that positive? <laughs> so finally I told Uncle Richard, I said, Uncle Richard, it's male pattern baldness. We were laughing, and I don't know what we were doing. And he goes, I know. He goes, you don't, you're missing hair here, and it's, you know, it's thin all the way back. He goes, why don't you comb your hair in a swirl? <laughs> Needless to say, and Uncle Richard, no offense, but I'm so glad I didn't take your advice. I would look like a, a conehead. But I don't think there's enough to really do that anyway. It would just swirl right around here. But find ways to speak life into people. You look nice today. I like your hair that way. That is a nice color. Those that know me, they know, they know that I'm not a flatterer, but I do, I do point out positive things about people. On Sunday mornings, I can't help it at the door. It happens every Sunday. There's a few people I'm like, man, I like that color. I like that. Or, man, this is sharp. Or, you smell good. And I've made it a habit. 
You need to make positive words a habit. You need to speak life. Speak positive. One man of God said, if you get an hour to pray, praise God for 45 minutes of it. And that's a challenge. God has done everything. God has done wonderful things, but try it. There's been times lately I've just tried where I'm praying. I'm like, I'm going to just praise him. I'm going to just praise him as much as I can. You know what I've been doing lately? I've been confessing 1 Corinthians chapter 13. There's a few verses in there. I've been confessing them over myself in different versions. I keep no record of wrong. I am loving. I, I am not irritable. I do not seek my own way. I'm not boastful or proud. I confess that part of the love chapter over me so that I walk in love with my wife and with others around me. Walking in love, walking in love. And also, there's a little booklet, and I've rediscovered this lately. It was mom's favorite, I think, and it's called God's Creative Power. I'm going to talk to you more about that later today. God's Creative Power, a little booklet. You can speak over your health. You can speak against fear and oppression. You can speak for comfort and strength and wisdom. And, man, it's amazing. The first day I did it, I noticed the difference. I kid you not. It may not always work that way, but I know this. In the spirit realm, something happens when you're speaking positive or negative immediately. Somebody say immediately. Oh, right away something's happening. Right away. So I move into our last point here today. And let's go to Matthew 12.30. Look at what Jesus said. Matthew 12.30. Look at what Jesus says. Anyone who isn't with me opposes me. That's interesting, isn't it? You ever heard people, they go, well, ah, I don't believe he's the son of God. He was a prophet and a good man. But, you know, I mean, he's fine, just whatever. Huh. Jesus says, anyone who isn't with me opposes me. And anyone who isn't working with me is actually working what? Against me. I'm going to tell you something this, this morning. This is the third point. There is no neutral ground. You're either you're in or you're out. You're either you're up or you're down. You can't do both. I'm not in my yard and in my neighbor's yard. You say, no, I can do that. I can get on the fence and stick my legs into my neighbor's yard and my hands into my. No, but you're in neither one. You're on the fence and you've got to decide. And eventually you're going to get tired and come down on one side or the other. There is no neutral ground. On or off, stay or go. Positive or negative, Jesus or not. Accept or reject the cross, the word. People are presented with a choice. That's why it's offensive. You can't fudge or fake it or be phony. Say, well, I don't know what I'm going to do with that. No. Basically, Scripture tells us this. What are you going to do with the cross? What are you going to do with what Jesus did? And when you face the cross, guess what? It, it opposes the sin in your life, and it confronts the sin in your life, and it makes you make a decision for him. And you say, I'm not going to do that right now. Then guess what? You are rejecting him. You say, no, I'm not rejecting Jesus. I'm not just ready. I'm young, or I'm, not, I'm too old, or whatever it is, or I'm going to wait till this or that. No, you're either in or you're out. Let's read that verse again, Matthew 12, 30. I really like that verse, Matthew 12, 30. Check it out. So Jesus said, once again, he said what? Anyone who isn't with me opposes me. And anyone who isn't working with me is actually working against me. That's crazy. Say, I'm, no, I'm just, I'm just neutral, man. I'm not going to serve God, but I'm not going to serve the devil. One man of God years ago, you know what he said? He said, if you reject God by default, this is crazy. I didn't say this, but I wish I would have. 
He said, by default, if you reject Jesus, then you are, immediately, you are a devil worshiper. What? I'm not, I'm not sacrificing cats. Cats are cute, but they're no fun. Somebody said, cats don't help anybody. <laughs> I like cats. They're just different from dogs. But can you imagine this man of God said this, and it, here's the gist of it is, you're either going to serve God or the devil. Say, no, I'm just going to serve myself. Well, by default, you serve yourself. Who are you, who are you serving? Mm -hmm. You're serving the enemy. You accept or reject Jesus, and that's it. But let me tell you something today. In your no neutral ground stance, begin to praise God. Begin to say that God is good. Begin to say we're going to make it. Begin to say God will provide. Tell people thank you. Did you know that's powerful? A genuine thank you are words of gratitude and appreciation, and they go a long way. I've had people just genuinely thank me, look me in the eye and go, thank you. Thank you for the words you spoke to me. Thank you for praying for me. Thanks for I've had people tell me on the way out of church on a Sunday morning, thank you for saying that. I'm like, really? I was just speaking what God gave to me, and I was going off and didn't know what was going to happen, but I just spoke the truth. There's no neutral ground. No neutral ground. Can you, can you imagine if I went, oh, you know what? I am a member of every church in this town. That's an exaggeration. You'd think that's strange, huh? I'm a member of every church in this town. Oh, no, man. I'm going to flip the script on everybody. I'm going to serve God and the devil. How? How? Scripture says we can't serve two masters. You're going to love one and hate the other. That's the King James translation. You're going to love one and push one away. Or you're going to cling to the other one and push that other one away. You're not, you're not going to have two masters. And I don't know how they did it. Speaking of neutral ground, I don't know how they did it in the Old Testament with so many wives. I've heard guys back in the days like, man, can you imagine so many wives? I'm like, yeah, I can imagine. Can you imagine the drama? Can you imagine I'd be going, God, how am I getting even balder? The rest of my hair just recede all the way back down, down my neck. Stressed out. And we've talked about that and, and looked into that lately, and it's, it's come up. I, I think it, I don't know if it came up in Bible study or somewhere else, but it came up recently in some other area. And it's like, yeah, God allowed them to, them to do that in the Old Testament, but look at all the problems it caused. Yeah, I think it was Bible study. I told someone, I said, I think it was just like Jesus told the Pharisees. They said, well, Moses allowed us to get a divorce. And Jesus said, yeah, it's for the hardness of your own hearts. And I think that's where it was. There's no neutral ground. I feel like Jesus, God allowed multiple marriages all at the same time, polygamy in the Old Testament, because of the hardness of their hearts. They say, oh, no, there was just way less men than women. There were a lot of wars. Maybe. For whatever reason God allowed it, he did. But in the Garden of Eden, who were they? Adam and Eve, male and female. Jesus said from the beginning they were man and wife, male and female, Adam and Eve. No neutral ground. I'm going to, I can't stop yet. Hold on. How are you going to be a bisexual then? Huh. No. Mm-mm. He said male and female. Is everybody still with me? Now, not everybody's going to marry. 
There's going to be a few who say, I'm not getting remarried. I'm not doing it. The Apostle Paul, we brought that up last week. Everybody has their gift. He said, I'm single. I wish everybody could be single like me in their pursuit of God, basically. But he stuck with something, and he chose. There's those that are just going to be single. They're not going to date. They're not going to remarry, or they're not going to get married ever. And that's rare, and that's fine, and that's a gift, and that's good. You're going to seek God. But, man, you... That's fine. And you say, man, well, I'm just not remarrying. See, dad, dad, immediately when mom passed away, dad made an announcement at church. He was not the most eligible bachelor in Hobbs. <laughs> right? Or in the state. Dad said, I'm a one-woman man. No neutral ground. Right away, he put a boundary. His texts still say, Pastors Fabian and Barbara Senna. The Spanish bulletins still say, Pastores Fabian y Barbara Senna. No neutral ground. A one-woman man. And in the same way, you've got to seek God with all your heart and say, man, I, I'm going to be really negative and positive. No, start taking inventory, saying, I can't live this way. I can't be double-minded. Scripture says, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So don't be double-minded. Take inventory and begin to see what you're speaking. You're either speaking death or life, but I'm going to tell you right now, there is no neutral ground. Everybody say with me, there is no neutral ground. No neutral ground. Right where you are, go ahead and bow your heads and close your eyes.